Hey, good morning, everyone. It's uh, lovely to see you all. I'd love to pray as well. Um, but before we pray, hopefully in your little notice uh, sheet that you've got this morning, you should have something that looks like what's on the screen there. It's really good to make notes of God's Word. And uh, I think certainly a lot of us, if we make notes, we can take it home with us and reflect on it this week, so if you can do that. But let's pray. Lord, I thank you that we can come and praise you this morning. Thank you for your word, the Bible. Speak to us, we pray, as we consider how to stay positive under pressure. Thank you for people here today that are just coming out of a really tough season. We pray that people who are just going into a tough season, we ask that you'll uh, give them strength and that they'll find comfort in you. And we pray for people in the middle of a tough season. We ask that you'll give them peace. Amen. Amen. Okay, you can see on the screen there um, the picture that links in with the story that we've already seen. And it's a story about a nine-year-old little boy who goes to Sunday school. And over lunch, his mum says to him, what was the story about this morning, little lad? And he says, oh, it was an amazing story, mum. There was this guy called Moses. He, um, he went and he saved all of his people. They were called the he- Hebrews or the Israelites. There was two and a half million of them. He got them out of the enemy camp, and when they got to this really big sea, he got the engineers to build this really, really big bridge, and when he got to the other side of the really, really big bridge, he phoned his armour-in-chief of his air force, they came and blew up the bridge, and um, all of the enemies got killed. And his mum said, is that really what happened, son? And he said, no, if I told you what they told me today, you definitely wouldn't believe us. So... Basically, uh, I've never struggled with this story, I've got to be honest. Right from being a little lad, I've loved this story. Everyone loves this story. I, as a little lad, have believed in it 100%. So before we go any further, I'm going to tell you, I totally believe in this story. Someone told me when I was about six, it wasn't the Red Sea, it was the Reed Sea. And uh, I think there might have been a Geordie or something, you know, the Reed Sea. And um, anyway, they said it was really, really shallow. And even as a little lad, I thought, well, that's ridiculous. Even if it was really shadow, how on earth did the Egyptians die? That still must have been God working in there. And recently, I read something on the internet the other day. The trendy thing now is that Moses was really good at keeping the tide timetable. And he knew somehow how this happened, and he figured it out. But I'm here today to tell you that God did this. This is a miracle, and uh, he does miracles in lives today. And people are still fascinated by it. You can see the little HD sign at the bottom corner of the screen. Because there was a a TV series about this only a couple of years ago called The Bible, and it focused on this. Exodus has just been out on on the cinema. And people are fascinated about it. And I think we should be too. Now it links in brilliantly with our uh, theme today. Psychologists tell us, and you might have picked up in my prayer, we're either going into a crisis, we're in the middle of a crisis, or we're coming out of a crisis. But I bet you most people in this room feel like all three of those at any one time. And I think it's really good to see what God's Word says about being in time of crisis. How do you deal when it's really difficult and you're under pressure? And that's what we're going to talk about today. And I'd like to try and get something into your head. This week, when you're under a difficult time, I'd like you to think about clapping. Now, I don't mean when your boss is going mad with you about something, just simply just go like that in his face. I don't think, I don't think that's the, what I'm trying to tell you. But what I'd like to try and say is, um, when you're under pressure, think of this, think clap. In fact, can I just tell you, 
Tell someone next year, when you're under pressure, you need to clap. Can you just do that now, please? When you're under pressure, clap. Okay. Good. Like I said, don't do it in your boss's face, but it stands for um, the things that are on the screen there. Be consistent, be leadable, be assertive, and be praiseful. And I think we can pick this up in a story that we've been reading. And the first point is to be consistent. If you can turn, please, to Exodus 13, verse 17. It's on page 70 in the Church Bibles. That's Exodus 13, verse 17. I should say, by the way, while you're looking for that, I'm not going to pick up the normal stuff in this story. I've been reading this for about a month, and I've picked up stuff that I've never, ever seen before in this story. And it's really helped me. I've been through some difficult times in the last month or so, and I'm sure you have as well, and sure you will. And this will help us, I'm sure, that God will speak to us. So Exodus 13, verse 17. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. So God said, if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. A couple of points here. We're just going to go through them all together. Um, God knows that we're inconsistent. Jesus lived amongst people, didn't he, for um, a long time, for 33 years. He knows what it's like to be a human being. I'm inconsistent all the time. You probably are too. But I don't think anyone wants to be. We want to be consistent. And uh, I think, in this little bit of the passage, we need to realise that um, God's way is the best way, not always the shortest way. You might have noticed there, they wanted to go the shortest way, but God took them the longest way. Sometimes in life, God will take us on a longer journey or a slightly harder journey because he knows the best way. He knows at the beginning and the end of our story. So he'll take us through that. He kept them away from war, but I wonder what he'll keep us away from. Sometimes we think we know the best. Our kids say to us all the time, I want this, I want that. And as parents, we try to protect them from things and God knows what's best for us. And when I was thinking about this, I thought about trees. Because sometimes, this is how sad me and Julie are, when we were courting, we would go somewhere, like the New Forest, and we would look at a beautiful uh, view and say, what's your favourite tree in that uh, view? You can see my chat-up lines were really, really good. (laughs) But um, uh, I googled trees, and I found out that um, on the left-hand side, the cypress tree is one of the most hardy trees on planet Earth. You can see what it says there. It's uh, evergreen. It grows quickly in sunny conditions. But even through drought times, it still grows. I want to be that type of person. I don't know if you want to be that type of person. On the flip side, we've got a bonsai tree. In fact, we've had quite a few bonsai trees since we've been married, as you can see down the bottom. It withers really quickly. It's a nightmare. Even the other day, we were going on holiday. We took it to my mum and dad's for them to look after our bonsai tree while we were away. And in the car, on a very short journey, it started to wither. Do we want to be people like that, or do we want to be strong people? I think we all want to be consistent, strong people. So how do we do that? Now, I found this verse, again, to my shame, I've never come across this before. It's in Jeremiah. If you want to turn to page 777, it's Jeremiah 17, verses 7 to 8. I'll read it out while you're looking for it. 777. But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in Him. They will be like a tree planted by the water, that sends out roots by the stream. It does, does not fear when the heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought, and it never fails to bear fruit. 
Verse 7, being consistent is not about us. This is not a self-help morning focused on God's word. To be consistent, you have to be consistent by reading God's word. Verse 8, it doesn't fear when trouble comes. I know quite a few people in this room. I've chatted to a couple of people this morning. And I know we all have difficult lives at times. We want to be more like the cypress tree to be planted by the streams of living water of Jesus and to survive that. A few different comments. Um, Don't let the devil remind you of your past. If you're a Christian, you are a new creation. I know loads of people that are always thinking about their past. But if you're in Jesus, you're a new creation. Number four, when the devil reminds you of your past, remind him of his future. Remember that. If he's ever having to go at you about something, tell him, well, one day you'll be burning in the lake of sulfur because you went against God. Number four, to be consistent means to have good friends. If you show me your friends, I'll show you your future. If you're hanging around with people that are negative, dream killers, then your dreams will be killed. If you're hanging around with people that are positive and dream um, creators, then that'll make a big difference. Make sure you meet with Christians on a regular basis. So number five, I don't want to be needy. I don't want you to be needy. I'm sure you don't want to be needy. You want to be a person of strength, a place of shade for the needy. I want to be poised under pressure and someone who goes to God first. So, when you're consistent, the key point is, are you a bonsai tree or are you a cypress tree? I pray that we're all cypress trees. So the second point, leadable. Exodus 13, verse 22. Neither the pillar of cloud by day, nor the pillar of fire by night, left its place in front of the people. The the cloud brought shelter to the Israelites during the daytime. It would have been very, very hot. It brought shelter through the daytime in the desert. And at the night time, the fire brought heat. God is always with us if we're a follower of him. I would love this. You can see my little girl loves Frozen. The left-hand picture there. If you've never seen Frozen, Olaf has his own little flurry. Now I thought about this and thought, wouldn't it be great if we all had a little pillar above our heads when God was guiding us all the time? Then I looked, thought, I had a mental image of looking out on you lot today and I thought, can you imagine all of our little flurries above us guiding us? It would get very, very confusing. And I'm glad that God hasn't done that. He knows way better than me. But it says on the right hand side, your word is a lamp until my feet and a light until my path. If we read God's word, he will guide us. leadable as well. God's side is the wooden side. Verse, uh, sorry, chapter 14, verse 10 says this. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and there were the Egyptians marching after them. You saw that on the video. They were absolutely terrified and cried out to God. And a little bit later, verse 18, the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. We're on the victory side if we're in Christ. There's a great verse in Romans chapter, um, chapter 8, verse 31. I'll read it out here. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? If you're going to learn a verse today, remember that one. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for all of us, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? And this beautiful verse as well. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, or hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or sword? 
If you're in Christ, you're on the winning side. Maybe not now, sometimes life's difficult, but we need to have an eternal perspective and realise that one day we're going to be with Jesus forever. There's a Greek word in here which comes from the word that we get Nike from. You know the sports make Nike? And it means conqueror. But in this specific verse, it's hyper-Nike. And it says this, God will vanquish all problems away. And I think we need to realise that if we're on God's side, we're leadable and we're on the winning side. So I'll just go on to the next slide. I noticed as well, I've never really noticed this before, but all you need is a stick if you're being leaded. Moses, before he, he, you know, he killed the guy, then he went to the desert. When he went to the desert, I think he picked up a stick. We call it a staff in the story. All you need is a stick. You've got to use what you've got. If Moses hadn't gone through the desert experience, he wouldn't have had his stick. He probably would have been um, a, a prince in Egypt and he wouldn't have had any need for a stick. But when we go through a difficult time, we pick up sticks. In fact, when you think about salvation history, God used two sticks to save the world that were put together to create the cross. So what have you got? What type of stick have you got in your life that you've picked up through life? Is it bereavement, it says on the screen there, verse uh, 0.7? Is it loneliness? I was really lonely when I was 18. A lot of my mates went to university and I was embarrassed on a Sunday morning when I went to church. And out of my embarrassment, I used to talk to the kids because I didn't want to talk to the old people. And I found as I got along with the kids, I was actually quite good at talking to kids. And because of that, my job now is with kids and I do stuff at church with kids and other things. What stick have you got that you can use for God's glory? I've got another thing down the bottom. One of my friends who realised he had a stick and he used it because he was leaded by God. I'll not tell you his name because some of you might know him, but he was the first one out of all of us to get married. He was 21. And he worked in a pub. And one day he went upstairs to his flat above the pub and he found his wife in bed with a chef from the pub. And you can imagine his life was an absolute nightmare. He worked in a pub, so he drank more and he got into trouble. He divorced the girl and uh, through God's grace he met a lovely Christian girl. He remarried, he's got three kids now and God uses him on a daily basis. In fact, someone told us about the other day, he wouldn't really tell us himself, but he went to a wedding. And you know when you go to weddings these days, they have tables that are named after special places of the couple and one of the tables was named after this guy and his wife. Because he used his stick, he used his difficult time for God's glory and he helps people now who've got difficulties in marriage and who are going to get married to build their marriages up, to be leadable. So, if you've been led, all you need is a stick. Ask God to let you use what you've already got. The third point, assertive. Um, verse 12 to 15 on Exodus 14. Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Moses answered the people, don't be afraid, stand firm. You will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you'll never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Verse 14. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. I think when we've been led, we stop here, don't we? We say, God, whatever you want us to do, I'll be still and you do it. But then verse 15 
hits straight after that. Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. And number one says, there's a time to be still, and there's a time to move on. And I think sometimes we get mixed up. We stand still when we should move on, and we move on when we should stand still. Now, if I ask people to put up their hand about guidance, I'm not going to do that, but I reckon a lot of us struggle with guidance. I certainly do. I sometimes wonder when God wants me to do certain things. And a couple of points here. The key point of this section is this. A few years ago, the older, uh, certainly lads in this room, might have used to watch something called Mark and Lard, or listen to Mark and Lard on the radio. And they used to say something stupid. It was, stop, carry on. I don't know if anyone ever saw that. And they said, you need to stop, you need to pause, and once you've done that, you need to carry on. Now that's, I think, how you get guided. If you look at number two, or point two, Moses had a close relationship with God for a kickoff. But he never always did. If you look, when he went to the desert in Midian, when he'd killed the guy, God appeared to him in the, the burning bush. Then the phrase often comes up in Exodus, then the Lord said, or the Lord said, because Moses had a close relationship with God. Now there was times when God was quiet with Moses, but it says in the Bible, the sheep know his voice. If we spend time seeking God, we will get advice. And when I'm saying about stop, carry on, this is where it links in. In house group the other day, we had house group, and Andrew, Andrew Laws said, I've just been doing this Lent challenge, and this really good phrase has stuck in my mind. And I was thinking about this service on Wednesday, and it helped me a lot. God nudges us. I don't know about you, but as you get close to God, he tells you what to do next. You never very rarely have the end story. He tells you what to do next. Your word is a lamp to my feet. You, you find out what the next step is. So stop, ask God, then carry on. Sometimes we need to carry on even when we don't have the right answer. But it says there, sometimes God stops us. Paul tried to go to a new place and the Holy Spirit stopped him going there in Acts chapter 16. And remember, even when something bad happens, which happened to Joseph in Genesis, it says there, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So the Israelites had a choice. They would go to freedom, or they would have uncertainty. Or they would be slaves, knowing what was going to happen every single day. But who wants to be slaves? So to be assertive is to go for freedom. Sometimes don't wait for something to happen. Pray and step out in faith. That's what we need to do. Don't wait for the perfect job. Knock on doors and perhaps God will open those doors for you. Point six. I think we tend to realise or think that Moses knew the ending of the story. But he didn't, did he? This is written down and we're reading it in hindsight. Verse six, sorry, 16 says this. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. Stretch out what you've got. That stuff's there at the same time. The stick's still there. Use what you've got, and God will bless you. Don't pray for something else necessarily. I think sometimes it'd be fantastic if a, a relative I've never ever heard of before died and give me like a few million quid. Then life would be sorted. And I wouldn't really mourn the, the death of that person, but God could uh, just give me the money. But we need to use what God's already given us. We need to use the stick that he's already given us. Then what happens if we use a stick? Verse uh, point 0.9 says this in verse 17. God will get the glory. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them and I will gain glory through, through Pharaoh and all his army, through his chariots and his horsemen. 
I've been challenged by this. Do I pray big prayers? Do you pray big prayers? What we pray for reflects on what we believe in God. Sometimes when we go on a journey, we pray, God protect us or God be with us. Now those verses in red on point 12 tell you, if you're a Christian, God's already said that he'll be with you. So should we pray bigger prayers than that? Should we pray for God to do miracles in our lives? And point 13 says this, if we pray bold prayers and it doesn't work, what happens then? Well, there's some amazing things in the Bible. There's a story when Joshua prayed for the sun to stand still, for him to win a battle. Sometimes God does answer prayers like that, but sometimes the sun sets and we have trouble in our lives. But I think our faith should be mature enough to handle no. We're trying to bring up our kids, and we've got three answers to our kids when they say something. Yes, no, or wait. And I think God's a bit like that when we pray to him. It could be one of those things. But we could pray for miracles. I felt, especially at the beginning of the service, that God was really, really evident in this place. And God wants to answer prayers in amazing ways. We could pray for things to happen. At the end, if you want to pray for something, whatever it is, I'd love to pray for you. Dave would, Joel would, other people would as well. And God sometimes is invisible, even through difficult times. It says on the bottom, Coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel, throughout the night the cloud brought darkness to one side and light to the other. So neither went near the other all night long. I think the video showed, that really, showed it really, really well. So to be assertive, we need to stop, seek God's advice, and carry on. And the final point, to be praiseful. Can you imagine the silence? They've gone across the Red Sea, the Egyptians are in the middle of the sea, God brings the sea down on them, and the Israelites are standing there, open-mouthed, seeing probably chariots floating around. It says in the Bible that there's dead bodies being washed up, and have just been saved. Can you imagine that silence? And finally, after a little bit of silence, someone breathed and started singing a song. Actually, the first ever song recorded in the Bible. In chapter 15, verse 1, it says this, I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. Both the horse and the driver he's hurled into the sea. It's hard to deal with, isn't it, when people don't say thank you. We need to be praiseful people. I find it difficult when we give someone a present and they don't even say thank you. And believe it or not, Jesus found that difficult as well. Point six says there, with the, uh, the ten lepers in Luke chapter 17. Do you remember that? The ten lepers went to Jesus, they fell at his feet, and they said, can you have mercy on us, Lord? Ten of them went, all of them were healed, nine of them left, didn't say thank you, but one returned to say thank you. Now understand this, you need to realise what it was like to be a leper. They would go to sleep sometimes in the middle of the night, and they would wake up with fingers missing because they wouldn't have had feelings there, and a rat would have gnawed it away. Whenever they came along, people would shout, unclean. People would never touch them. Can you imagine the life of never being touched? They had a terrible time, but Jesus healed them from that, and they should have said, thank you. We need to say thank you as well. Are we a people who constantly expects to get things? Or are we a praiseful people? Are we a thankful people? And Matt Redmond says this, every blessing you pour out, Lord, I'll turn back in praise. It's good sometimes to just sit down and write down what you're thankful for. I did it just this morning. Things like health, we take it for granted. Family, friends, a house, kids, a wife. I'll add that one in now. Um, food. 
Um, all of these things um, we should be thankful for and we should turn about in praise. Next bit. Then Moses and the Israelites sang this song to the Lord. I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. Both horse and driver he's hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my defence. He has become my salvation. He is my God and I will praise him. My Father's God and I will exalt him. The one I've underlined there, my salvation, is the key point. And the key point on this last bit is, if you think the Red Sea crossing is amazing, then grace, or God's grace, is on a totally different level. I told you at the beginning that I believe that God took the people across the Red Sea. But I totally believe in the right-hand side picture as well. The parallel is amazing between the two, isn't it? The left-hand side one, God built a bridge, if that's what you would call it, by taking the waters to the two sides. They got through. But the side of the story that I've not mentioned this morning is, the Egyptians drowned. Loads of people died that day. People were saved, but loads of people died. Now, loads of people, and I don't know where you stand with God, but loads of people are going to a lost eternity. And that's serious. I want no one in this room to ever say, well, I didn't understand that. But the right-hand picture explains that Jesus, by dying on the cross, has built a bridge between what we've got now are our sins, to be forgiven, and to have a life with God forever. I'm looking forward to the day when I go to heaven and I'm standing in front of God and he says, should you be here? I don't know about you if you've ever thought of that. How will you know if you should be in heaven or not? And I can't stand in front of God and say, it's because I did this, it's because I did that. If Jesus is in sight, which I'm sure he will be, I'll say, the only reason I can come to heaven, God, the Father, is because of what Jesus did for me. And the parallel there is amazing. And I believe there's people in this room, I was praying when we were singing earlier on, I believe there's people in this room who need to say to God, I'm sorry for what I've done and I'm going to turn to you. And I bet there's people in this room who are thinking, yeah, well, I believe in Jesus, but I don't know everything. I certainly don't know everything. But you need to put your faith in him, then the rest comes later on. We're on a journey throughout life. I'm hopefully becoming more mature as a Christian. Hopefully you are too. But if you've never been a Christian yet, you need to give your life to Jesus today. So the four points. When you're under pressure, we need to be consistent, we need to be leadable, we need to be assertive, and we need to be praiseful. So what now? Just the last point. There's a verse which has been really helpful to us as a family lately. It's in black on the screen there. Greater is he that's living in me than he that's living in the world. When you're struggling, you need to realise when the devil's having a go, he's got nothing on Jesus. Jesus is way more powerful. And when you're struggling, clap, like I said, not in your boss's face, literally, but remember what it stands for to be um, consistent, to be leadable, to be assertive, and to be praiseful. Okay, thank you for listening well. I'm going to pray for you, and I'm going to sing the final song, I think, or we're just going to finish. Do you think? Yeah, final song. That that would be great. Thank you. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that you um, healed people and did amazing things over time. Thank you that you've done miracles, that you've took people across the sea. And we thank you that today you still do amazing things. You can change people's lives. I thank you for my friend who you've used his life to glorify you and to bring other people to you. And I pray today that people in this room, all of us will leave this room, knowing you as our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen.